I'm going to read the verse or a few verses that the Lord gave us in August at Ezekiel 36. This is a promise from God. It's a promise of what was to come in the new covenant, and it's ours today. It's ours today. And God really wants us to believe Him. I'll start in verse uh, 26. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. Then you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. You shall be my people, and I will be your God. And I will deliver you from all your uncleanliness. All. And I will call for the grain. I will multiply it. I will bring no famine upon you. I will multiply the fruit of your trees and the increase of your fields so that you never again bear the reproach of famine among the nations. And Lord, I thank You for the Gospel. I thank You for the power of the Gospel. I thank You for the message of the cross that is the power of God to us who are being saved. And Lord, I pray today as we look at Your Word, You would remove unbelief from our hearts. I pray, Lord, You would help us to trust, to stand, to believe what You have spoken. And that You're a God who speaks. And when He speaks, He does what He says. And Lord, that You have already accomplished the things that concern us today. You have already done, Lord, what we could not do in the flesh. And You have already made a new and living way, God. And You have given us everything we need to live the victorious life, to live the abundant life. You promised us, Lord. For Your glory, for Your namesake, Lord. So that Your character, so that Your attributes... Your glory can be revealed through our lives as we simply obey this Gospel, this wonderful Gospel, and allow it to work in us what You have already done. Lord, so help us to hear, to receive, to know, to believe what You want to say to us today. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Um, God made something very real to me uh, this morning. And it was through a verse that actually talks about it in a couple of places in the Gospels where Jesus uses the illustration of a strong man. And unless we overcome the strong man, unless someone overcomes the strong man, how will we spoil the goods of the house? And it, it's a picture of us, of our lives, of our house that was held captive by the enemy. And then it's also a picture of Christ overcoming the strong man in our house and setting us free. 
from the bondage, from the sin that had dominion over our lives. And God wants us to really understand just what it is He has accomplished in our lives. And we're going to be looking at Romans 6. I'm going to go through that. And then we're going to look at a verse in 1 Corinthians talking about temptation in chapter 10. So you can hold that place if you want. But we're basically going to be in Romans 6 for a while. And what I want to call today's message is sin shall not have dominion over you. Listen to that again. Sin shall not have dominion over you. Paul starts off chapter 6 with, what shall we say then? And just to bring us up to speed, he's been talking about the gospel. He's been talking about what Jesus did. He's already established our hopelessness to save ourselves. He's already established that all are guilty. All are under the power of sin. But that this one man, Jesus Christ, did what no one else could do. He bound the strong man. He made a way to set the captives free. Hallelujah. And he did it simply for his namesake, like Ezekiel talked about. It had nothing to do with us. We couldn't earn it. We weren't asking it. We didn't deserve it. It was by his grace that we were saved. So Paul says now in Romans 6, 1, what shall we say then to this? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? You need to let these words get into your soul this morning. You need to let them get rooted in your hearts. Because this is true. This is truth that God wants you to own in your life. How can we who died to sin live any longer in it? Do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were also baptized into His death? Therefore, we were buried with Him through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, Even so, we also shall walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of His death, certainly, certainly, that that sounds like a sure thing, certainly, we shall also be in the likeness of His resurrection. Now, Philippians 3, Paul describes what it looks like to be united to Christ in His death and what it also looks like to be united with Him in His resurrection. And he says it in this way, Philippians 3, 7. What things were gained to me, 
These I have counted loss for Christ. Yet, indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. And I count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is by, through God by faith. That's a picture of surrendering any efforts, anything I can rely on, anything I can stand on other than Christ for my salvation and for the power to redeem my soul. Paul renounces it all and he sees it all as rubbish, as nothing that he might know Christ. It's a forsaking of everything about our life. Everything we trust in, everything we could look to outside of God. And then he goes on, that I may know Him in the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings, being conformed to his death. If by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead, not that I have already attained or, or am already perfected, but I press on. In other words, I am in the process. He says in another place, I'm dying daily that the life of Christ may be manifested through me. It's a daily Entering into the sufferings, the denial of myself, the forsaking of my life, embracing my cross, embracing the sufferings of Christ, so I might live His life inside of me. The same life that rose Him from the dead, that gave life to His lifeless body. It's powerful. Not that I have already attained or already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. And Paul, in a lot of places, gives us a picture of our Christian journey, of a striving, of a running, a race, of a competing. And he talks about hindrances to this race. And, and in one place we'll be looking at later, he talks about the cares of this life, things in this life that bog us down, that, that cause us to lose sight of the God who's over all things, who, who suspends the universe and holds, upholds all things by the power of His Word, who's promised us that we're much more than sparrows and birds and things. We're much more precious. The hairs on our head are numbered. We don't have to worry about our lives. He's in control. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. We lose sight of that from the cares and the weights of this life, but also the sins that so easily ensnare us. And so we don't run. 
We don't press on. We don't move forward in our upward calling in Christ. And the enemy has a lot to do with hindering that race. And we let him. We let him, even though he's already been defeated. And that's why this is so important for us to lay hold of and let God make real to us what he has already done for us and to simply start walking in it. He goes on in verse 6, knowing this. So this is something we should just know if we've truly embraced the gospel, that our old man was crucified with him. That body of sin, and when it says the body of sin, it's talking about our old nature. The body of sin, our old nature, it's been crucified. That it might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. No longer. Galatians 5.24 says, Those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions, with its desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. I will put my Spirit in you. That's His promise. If we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. For he who has died is free from sin. 1 Peter 4 says it this way. When we, we hear of dying and we hear him talking about dying, it's talking about suffering. It's talking about embracing the sufferings of Christ. It's talking about denying ourselves. Picking up our cross and following Him. So 1 Peter 4 says it like this, Therefore, since Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mindset. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Or I should say, from sinning. That he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lust of men, but for the will of God. For we've spent enough of our past lifetime, right? Doing the will of the Gentiles when we walk in lewdness, lust, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, abominable idolatries. In regard to these, they think it's strange that you don't run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you. But yet they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. And then in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, Paul talking about these vessels that God has redeemed, that he has subdued the strong man in, and now he has come to dwell in. He says, we have these treasure, this treasure, the gospel, the Holy Spirit, Everything God did in the work of this cross, we have this treasure, this knowledge, it's inside of us. It's in this vessel. Someone talked about that this morning. It's not a temple made with hands. It's our bodies now are the temple. And this treasure is inside of us. That the excellence of the power may be of God and not us. 
And then he talks about a little bit of his suffering. He says, we're hard-pressed on every side, yet we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. All those things Paul is describing there was a choice he made. It was a mindset to enter into the sufferings of Christ for the sake of the gospel. Willingly forsaking his own life, willingly crucifying the world and everything it has and choosing to suffer with Christ. Dying daily to his own will, to his own desires, to his own plans. But yet, because of it, the life of Christ is being manifested through his life. That's how God works. That's how the gospel works. That's how the power of the gospel manifests itself in our lives through our death, through our embracing the same sufferings that Christ endured. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake. That the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us, but life in you. Now I know God has been really speaking to us about getting outside of these walls and being light, being salt being the hands and feet of Jesus. And that's what Paul's talking about. But he's saying the most effective way we do that is by dying, by crucifying our flesh, by crucifying the world, by letting go of our lives and dying and choosing to suffer for the sake of others, so that his life might be manifested, so that it'll work life in them. Just as Jesus dying produced life for us. That's what he calls us to, as his church, as his followers. The world needs to see the life of Jesus manifested to them. They don't need to be reasoned into the gospel. They need to see it. They need to hear words that have the Spirit of God behind them. Because the life that is being, it's being spoken out is living in it. Otherwise, it's just head out. There's no power in the words if there's no life behind it. You know, just ask the sons of Sceva. They used the same words, but there was no power in it. And, and they were unknown in hell because there was no life behind it. There has to be a life behind it. They knew Paul. They knew Jesus. God is waiting, or God is wanting a people who are going to embrace the sufferings of Christ, who are going to embrace the denial of myself who are going to crucify the world, who are going to pick up their cross so that the life of Jesus may be manifested. And Paul explains it in the beginning of 2 Corinthians 4, where he says, 
since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we don't lose heart, but we've renounced the hidden things of shame. We don't walk in craftiness, handling the Word of God deceitfully, but by the manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. It matters how we live, people. It matters how we live. It matters how we conduct ourselves. I sit around sometimes, and you talk to people, and you hear about what's going on in churches, and the sin, and just the rampant sin, just the, the lack of fear of God, and really, a lot of the time, it not looking much different than someone who doesn't know Christ. And you wonder, what witness is that to the unsaved? What witness is that to the kids? When they see professing Christians still bound by sin, still acting like sin still has dominion over them. And I don't mean the sins we would categorize as, you know, those bad sins. I'm talking about sin in general, which we'll see in a little while. Because sin is sin. But we're told in that passage of Romans, which we'll see in a minute here, is that sin is supposed to not have dominion over us anymore. And the world needs to know that's true because the world is lying under the power of sin. And it's leading them to death. And they need to know that Christ has come to break the power and the dominion of sin over our lives. How are they going to know that if they don't see it? So much damage has done to the witness of Christ because of the sin in the church. And, the to- and we tolerate it. And we act like, oh, oh, yeah, they're just like that. No, Christians aren't just like that. Christians are changing. Christians should be becoming more and more like Christ every year, every, every hour. Because that's what the gospel does. It doesn't leave us what we were. Such were some of you, but you were washed. You were cleansed. You were set apart by God. You were bought with a price. Your life isn't your own anymore. He's put His Spirit in you. He's given you all things that pertain to life and God that you may escape the corruption and the lust that's in the world. That you might be changed into the image of Christ. He goes on, verse 8, Now if we died with Christ, we believe we shall also live with Him. This is the promise, people. If we embrace our death, His life is going to be living in us. We will live with Him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. Death no longer has dominion over you. Because he's alive. If Jesus didn't raise from the dead, our faith is in vain. But he did. Hallelujah. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. And Paul talked about that earlier. One man. Through one man, Adam, sin entered to the world, producing death, but also through one man, Jesus. Hallelujah. Life. 
to all men. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you, this is your part, likewise, you, me, reckon yourselves dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus the Lord. That's faith. That is faith. That's all that is. I believe you, Lord. By faith, I'm crucified with you. By faith. And because of your Spirit, Lord, I am putting to death my life, the sin in my heart, Lord. I am burying it with you. And by faith, Lord, I believe you to fill me with your Holy Spirit that your life may be manifested in me and through me. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. And when it talks about we are now part of His life, well, that's where our life is then. You understand? That's why Colossians says this in Colossians 3. So if you were raised with Christ, if you are truly have died with Him, and now you're raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where He is. Sitting at the right hand of God, set your mind on the things above, not on the things of the earth. Those are the things that will weigh you down. Those are the things that uh, are encumbrances to us in our race of faith. Set your mind on the things above, not the things on earth, for you died. You hear, it's kind of like matter of fact, like you died. Remember, if you and I truly embrace the gospel, truly believe the gospel, then we died. And if you didn't, you believed the wrong gospel. Because the gospel requires that you die. If you want to follow Jesus, you die. But if you die, you live. Doesn't make sense, right? But it's true. If you die with Him, you live with Him. And when Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will also appear with Him in glory. Therefore, aha, put to death your members, which are on the earth, which are what? Fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience, in which you also once walked when you lived in them. That was your old life before Christ. Remember? Remember when the strong man had you? That's your old life. I remember. Now you yourselves also put off these. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Don't lie to one another, since you've put off the old man with his old deeds. Notice how he's just saying it kind of matter-of-factly. Like, this is normal. This is normal Christianity. You, you put off these things. You crucify. You put to death these things. 
and put on the new man who was renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. I will put my spirit in you. Walk in it. Receive him by faith. Keep asking him to fill you with his spirit. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all in all. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy, beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long suffering, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. If anyone has complained against another, even as Christ forgave you, you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of affection. Because that's how they'll know. That's how they'll know. He's alive and He's coming. Therefore, verse 12, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. That you should obey its lust. Don't present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Again, it's Christianity 101. If I have believed the Gospel, if I understand the mercy of God in Christ, in the message of the cross, and what He actually did, saved me, made a way where there was no way, paid a price I could never pay, Released me from prison. Bound the strong man. Set me free. Romans 12.1 Then I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable to God. It's your reasonable service if you believe the Gospel. That's what it means to give my body, my instruments to God. I lay my life on the altar. I was really getting ministered to through those songs. And that's, I just felt led to get on my knees. Because you kind of feel like a hypocrite. You know what kept coming to my mind? These people worship me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. To myself. I wasn't thinking of you guys. Because I know there's still areas I'm not dead that need to die. I'll share one of, one of them with you in a little bit. Um, you know, God reminded me this morning, he's like, Jeff, I set you free from crack cocaine, something you thought you never could be delivered to. Can I set you free from this? Why does this still have dominion over you? I'll let you know what it is in a little bit. (laughs) Sin shall not have dominion over you. Verse 14. Because you're not under the law, but you're under grace. Oh, well, great. I'm under grace now. So does that mean I go on sinning because Jesus fulfilled the law for me? Shall we sin because we're not under the law but under grace? Certainly not. Right? And Romans 8 tells us why. 
Because there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. God freed me from the law. The law was death. There was no way I could fulfill the law. That's why the gospel is so glorious. That's why the Ezekiel 36 promise is so glorious. And I don't think the Israelites understood at that time what that actually meant, but we do. I'm not under the law anymore. Praise God. Jesus did what I couldn't do. But does that mean I go on sinning? No. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on the account of sin. He condemns sin in the flesh. He broke the power of sin. He subdued the strong man that had humanity captive. Praise the Lord. I hope this is real to you. God, Lord, make this real. Only you can do that, Lord. Holy Spirit, I pray your word would go into our hearts this morning. God, I pray you'll open up our understanding to know these things you want us to know, God. I pray you'll dispel the lies of the enemy that we have chosen to believe. I pray, oh God, you will uh, quit, uh, help us to quit looking at our past failures and doubting you, Lord. I pray, God, you'll remove unbelief from our hearts and help us to just believe you, Lord and to trust in what you've already done. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He condemns sin in the flesh that the righteousness requirement of the Lord might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. I will put my Spirit in you. I will put my Spirit in you. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds according to, uh, to, on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit, to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life, it's peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. It is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. And I'm going to talk about this a little bit later, but when you are praying for your lost loved ones, when you are praying for your kids, when you are praying for your, your neighbors, you have to realize the strong man has them. He has their minds. And you need to pray against the strong man, the strongholds that he still has over their lives, that Jesus will break the power that he has over their minds and their hearts. And, and I'm going to talk about that possibly next week how we should be praying, how we should be doing warfare over the lost people that we're praying for. Very important. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, it is not subject to the law of God, neither can it be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Cannot. But you are not in the flesh. Again, it's kind of matter of fact, right? 
but you're not in the flesh. If you truly believe the Gospel, you're not in the flesh. If you've truly died, if you've truly crucified the flesh with its passions, if you've truly picked up your cross, denied yourself, forsaken the world, you're not in the flesh. You're in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone doesn't have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. Now, that's something I had to ask myself many years ago as a professing Christian when sin very much still had dominion over my life. I had to examine, am I truly in the faith? Because that doesn't describe me. And it's not a bad idea to do that. To examine your faith. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Your old man, he's always he's, he's dead and he's always going to be dead. The new man is life. That's why we got to crucify the old man. He's always there trying to rear his ugly head, but if by the Spirit we crucify that old man, we keep him in the grave. We've got to keep him in the grave. The Spirit is life because of righteousness, but if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, we're not debtors to the flesh to live according to the flesh. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. That's the power of the cross. That's resurrection life. That's resurrection power. That's what it means to have the Holy Spirit inside of us. God has given us the power. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So then verse 16 now says, Do you not know to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey? You are that one slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. But God be thanked. Again, another kind of matter-of-fact statement. But God be thanked. Since you believe the gospel... Though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart. Here's a key statement. You obeyed from the heart. You just didn't hear. That's why when Jesus said, take care, take heed how you hear. And that word in the Greek doesn't mean just listen. It means come under. It means I hear you and I'm coming under what you said. That's what it means to believe. That's when you hear right, you obey. Right? If you're telling your kids to do something and they hear you and they don't obey, does it profit them? No. They have to obey. They have to come under mommy and daddy if they want to be blessed. If they want to benefit from the truth they are giving to them. 
God be thanked. Though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. The Gospel. A sincere obedience to the Gospel. And having been set free from sin, verse 18, you became slaves of righteousness. Again, another matter-of-fact statement. In other words, we have another master now. It's not Jesus bound the strong man so I can take control of the house. No, he bound the strong man so he can control the house. Jesus. So he can take his rightful place. Because God created your house, your temple, your body as a dwelling place for him. And there's a throne right in the middle where God sat with Adam and Eve, where he had perfect fellowship with them. They walked with God. God was in them. They were one. And sin drove God out of their hearts. Sin said, I can be my own God. And because the devil deceived them and they believed a lie, God was dethroned from the heart of mankind and the devil took his, took his place. And that's why when we pray for people, we have to understand what we are actually praying against. But that's not, hopefully, our dilemma. Then he says in verse 19, Now I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? Right? Because the end of those things are death. But now... Having been set free from sin, you hear again another matter-of-fact statement. You need to read these like that because they're meant like that. They're meant to proclaim to us that this has already happened. This is what Jesus did in the Gospel. This is what we can claim and stand on by faith. Having been freed from sin, having become slaves of God because I obeyed Him, because... I laid my life on his altar. I'm his slave now. I have fruit to holiness. And the end of that is everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So again, remember what it was like before Christ. I remember... Scripture gives us ideas of what it looks like. In Acts 26, we see that we were once slaves under Satan's authority, under his jurisdiction. In John 8.44, Jesus says, you're children of the devil because his deeds you do. That was me. Ephesians 2 talks about being energized by Satan. It's a picture of the spirit of this world that people are energized by that. That's where 
evil that is being unleashed. It's people giving themselves over more and more and more. And it's the devil. It's evil. I mean, the stories I read now in the news, it's just mind-boggling. I just read a story. A whole family had a suicide pact. And the girl um, got in her mind that she had a vision from God. And it was demonic. And because the father and mother were too afraid, shaking to shoot themselves, she took it upon herself to shoot mom, to shoot dad, and then to shoot herself. The devil had total control over her mind, over their minds. And it's happening everywhere. That's why the world is in the chaos of sin. That's why um, we see evil being unleashed in our society. Because the more they reject God, the more they push God out, the more they're giving the devil a stronghold and a footing in their lives. And it's demonic. But Jesus came to break the power and to break the dominion of sin. Praise the Lord. And so those three scriptures where he talks about that is Mark 3.27, Luke 11.20, and Colossians 2.15. I like how Colossians 2.15 says it. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them. Hallelujah. So, my message, God's message to you this morning is sin shall not have dominion over you. And so now I want to look at this verse in 1 Corinthians 10.13. Where it talks about temptation. Because temptation is what leads us into sin. Temptation is where it started in the garden. So if sin is not going to have dominion over us, we have to understand temptation and that because of what Jesus did, God's made a way out so that we don't have to sin. Because it tells us in 1 Corinthians 10, 3, No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man, but God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Let's remember, this is to believers, not the unsaved. He's made a way for us. We don't have to be overcome by temptation. We don't have to sin when we are tempted. God has made a way out. You know, part of the church's problem, and we have adopted a lot of the world's ways, a lot of the world's uh, philosophies, especially in the area of psychology. And so now it becomes about disorders. Now it becomes about this sickness I have or this... this uh, label that's been given to me and I, can, I can't help what I do. And I'll just have to deal with this the rest of my life. Or I'll have to take a pill to help me to cope with it. And it diminishes the power of the Gospel. And it also covers sin. And it keeps people in bondage to sin. We have all kinds of addictions, disorders, alcohol, drugs, anxiety, eating, hint, hint, eating. That's what God's showing me. 
delivered me from crack. And I can't, or I should say, I won't control my eating. Lack of self-control. I uh, saw a guy I know a few weeks ago, and I was amazed. Like, man, dude, you lost a lot of weight. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm on this um, diabetes medication. I'm like, oh, I'm pre-diabetic. Maybe I should talk to my doctor. Yeah, I lost 40 pounds in like two months. Man, it kills your appetite or whatever. And then yesterday, someone else told me about this same drug. And so I started thinking, like, I need to get on this drug. And then I said to the person, you just need self-control. And this morning is when God spoke to me. And he brought that up because I was thinking about it. Because, you know, we want the easy way out. And I don't want to admit, maybe I'm dealing with the sin of gluttony. Maybe I'm turning to food instead of God, and it's actually sinful. And God wants me to repent, and God wants me to exercise self-control that He's given me through the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm ashamed that I'm letting food, even fasting for a lost one. I don't want to fast. I love eating. I don't like the thought of fasting. So we got to get real with ourselves and honest. Oh, I'm not a crackhead anymore. I'm not a drug addict anymore. So what? I eat a little too much. So what? My blood sugar is high and I got heart problems. God will keep me, right? He purchased health for me. No, not if I'm not eating right. So what if my wife's worried if I die or not? I'm going to eat anyway because I like it. <laughs> You're laughing now, but she gets upset with me because she cares about me. All right, I didn't mean to get that much into that, but what about gossip? What about gossip? Oh, I'm not, I don't do this anymore, but, you know, so what? I, I, I talk about people. Yeah, that's no big deal. Stealing, listening disorders. How about hoarding disorders? The list goes on and on and on and on and on and on. See, understanding that we're dealing with sin when we are tempted, not an illness, is vital if we are going to overcome our issues. It's a sin problem. We have a sin problem. And a pill doesn't cure sin. Behavior modification doesn't cure sin. Death cures sin. Choosing to die cures sin. If you have the same mind as Christ and you learn to suffer in the flesh, you'll cease from sin. It's a promise. All believers, all of us, should desire to be pleasing to God and to honor Him in everything that we do. So, no temptation is overtaking you such as common men. Listen, you're all going to deal with temptation. That's what that's saying. It's common. You're going to deal with it. You're going to be tempted. Okay? But we can be like Daniel, in Daniel, like where it says Daniel purposed in his heart 
that we, He would not defile Himself. We could be people who purpose in our heart, who prepare beforehand, who utilize what God has already given to us so that we don't have to succumb to the temptation. So, don't, I'm speaking to myself, don't have those little Oreo cakes in the closet. Forget it, when those things are in the house, I don't even want to check my sugar after about four of those. It's not funny. I, I mean, I'm, but really, it's not. And I do grieve about it when I think about, like, I can't, I, I can't deny myself that. Like, I'm letting that control me? When God has set me free from so many things? You know, we're told, uh, put on the Lord Jesus Christ in Romans 13, 14. Make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. So this is important, okay? It's, but we're told God is faithful. He's faithful. We just went to Romans 6. He's not going to allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation, He's going to make a way of escape. If you are God's, if you are truly His, I just want to tell you, He's faithful. He is faithful. If you will come under, if you will believe, if you will obey and yield yourself to Him, He will give you the power. He, like I said, He's done in my life things that were impossible. There's no way I, I tried it over and over. I tried this. I tried that. He broke the power. He went in my house and He bound the strong man. And this is no different. We need to be like David. I, I killed a lion. I killed a bear. This is no different. I don't care how big it seems. I don't care how long it's been messing with you. It's no different. It's no different to God. Temptation is real, and it's powerful, and it's very deceptive. Very deceptive. So we have to prepare for it. We have to learn how to walk in the Spirit. But God is faithful. I'm going to end with this. Hebrews 12.1, I shared this a little bit earlier, tells us to lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run this race with endurance that is set before you. Guys, we're in the final lap, I think. And God has called us, He's called this body to action. He's called us to war. We've been enlisted, okay? But you need to ask yourself, am I running the race like I'm going to win? Or are there things in my life? Are there weights? Whether it's the cares of this life, whatever it is, it's weighing you down. Like we heard earlier. Or is there sin in your life? That thing that so easily ensnares you. We're told to get rid of it so that we can run the race with endurance. And God has given us everything we need to do that. We, not, we just really need to start believing Him for that. This is a spiritual battle, people. 
And the thing that I guess convicts me the most is there's souls dying. I'm in a battle, okay? There's people dying around. There's people getting shot. And I'll never forget a, a movie I saw a long time ago with John Wayne, old war movie. And his bu- he's, these guys are in a foxhole together and they're being uh, shot out with machine gun fire and they're running out of ammo. And the one guy says, I'll go get us some, you know. So he gets out of the hole and he somehow makes it back to where the beach is, where they're, they, they're bringing supplies onto the beach. And he's getting ammo for the guys, and he smells coffee. And, you know, he's been in battle. He probably hasn't had a nice cup. He called a cup of joe. And he thought, ah, what's the big deal? Is that coffee? And he just stops the moment to drink some coffee. But in the time he drank the coffee, his buddies got killed. That's real to me. You know, so when I'm allowing things in my life, when I'm not running, when I'm sloughing off, when I'm allowing things to hinder me, is it possible someone's dying because of it? It's serious. We're in a battle. This is war. I mean, for ourselves, right? We're told in Ephesians 6, Brethren, be strong in the Lord, in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. You, me, that's talking about us. For we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. So remember, it's His strength. It's not yours. It's His strength. And understand your own heart. When you are tempted... When you are dealing with sin, it's because there's something in your heart that wants it. It's not necessarily the temptation. And that's where we got to get honest with ourselves. It's like, oh, if I just didn't have to deal with this. Oh, if they just didn't have these magazines at Walmart. Oh, if I just didn't have this or that. You know, I, you know if I just went and lived over here. Whatever it is we get in our mind. No, it's your heart. It's my heart. Each man is drawn away by his own desires when he's tempted. It's something in us that's not crucified. It's something in us we're letting live. But God promises there's no temptation that is overtaking you, except this is common to man. God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will make a way of escape. Sin shall not have dominion over you anymore. Okay? So, what needs to happen? Maybe there's some here you're experiencing defeat. Maybe in an area of your life or maybe many areas. I already got on my knees and as best as I could surrendered it to the Lord. 
And I'm going to trust Him for the power, but I also know I'm going to have to do some things. Okay? So, God has made a way of escape. So, three things I want to say to you this morning so that you can respond to what you heard this morning. Okay? For some of you, or maybe someone listening, you don't have victory in life because you have not yet surrendered your whole life to God. You're a Christian in name only. Either you believe the false gospel or you just would not surrender your life to Him. That was me. That's what I was uh, before I came to Kentucky. I was a Christian in name only, but I was still ruling and reigning, and Satan just had a total hold on my life. Because I believed I could have two masters, and that, that is a lie from the pit of hell. So at some point, we got to decide, do we really believe the gospel, and are we ready to forsake all for Christ? So that's the first one, because you will never find freedom from sin. The power of the gospel will never work in your life the way God promises it will. That was my testimony. Okay? So that's one situation. For others, you're just still making provision. In other words, you haven't made a Daniel decision. Um, You don't hate your sin enough for that to happen. And, And you need to ask God to help you to hate your sin. And the only way to do that is to love Him more and to seek Him more. And then lastly, others have a sincere desire, but they keep caving under a particular temptation. You need to start just looking to Him and quit trying to do it in your own strength. And so what does that mean? Um, It means... Not making provision in the flesh is making provision for the Spirit. Okay? When I am cutting off other areas in my life where I feed my flesh, guess what? I have the power to deny my flesh when it wants food. When I'm not, when I'm looking to food for my comfort or whatever, and, and I'm escaping in other ways, and I'm not maybe pressing in the way I need to be, well, then it's, a, it's an ugly pattern and that, that thing has me and I'm in the grips of it. So I have to make a conscious decision of what my priorities are. So if I'm going to walk in the Spirit and in the power of the Spirit, I have to learn what it means to redeem my time. I have to spend time with God. I have to be in the Word of God every day. I have to be feeding my spirit man. So it's not just not having cookies in the closet. Because you know what? I'll get in the truck and I'll drive to the dollar store. I will. I'll say, honey, I'll be back in a minute. It's weird. It it almost sounds funny, but there's sometimes when I'm doing that, it it makes me feel like when I used to get high and I was sneaking. You know, or I'll, I'll get a candy bar on the way home and I'll hide the wrapper. It's like, what is that? You know, like I was doing drugs. But is it any different? No! I'm deceiving. I don't want her to see the rapper. Then she'll smell it. She always finds out. Anyway, but God knows. So what is it in your life, and are you ready 
to let God simply work in you what He's already done for you. So I want to give us an opportunity to respond. So you're either that first one. And that's for anyone listening or anyone here. I don't know listening what kind of gospel you've heard. But if you truly believe and understand that you're a sinner and that there's nothing you could do to save yourself and that Jesus Christ took your place, He paid the penalty for your sin, well then your life is not your own. If you believe that and if you want forgiveness, you just need to ask and God will forgive you. That's the promise. I will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. But, but here's the deal. Then you're His. Your life's not your own. If you understand the mercy He's done for you, Romans 12 says it's your reasonable service to offer your life as a living sacrifice, a burnt offering. In the Old Testament, what that meant was the whole animal, everything. There's nothing held back. That's what it means to follow Christ. That's what it means to believe the Gospel. If you haven't done that, if you're still trying to live with one foot in the world and one foot in the church, that is not Christianity. You will not have the power to resist sin and the devil. So God is calling you to respond to the gospel, to the hope that he has provided in the gospel. And his promise is, I will cleanse you. I will put my spirit in you. I will remove the idols from your heart. I will bind the strong man. I will set you free. And I will change your life. I will transform you into a different person. I'll change your heart. I'll I'll take that heart of stone and I'll give you a heart of flesh. And you'll live with a hope that isn't in this world. Because eternal life will be beating in your new heart. And you'll find the joy of being in fellowship with God. And the peace that comes with that. So the Holy Spirit is speaking to you this morning. And you're not sure. You look at your life and there's questions. Well, why don't you make sure and give your life to God today. So anyone here, anyone listening, um, come to the feet of Christ and turn your life over to Him. That's what it means to believe the Gospel. Ask Him to forgive you. He will cleanse you. But you have to surrender your life. You have to give Him your life. That's the first one. For others, you're still making provision. You're making excuses. Um, If you're honest with yourself, you still want what you're doing or what you're pursuing. You just need to repent. And you need to ask God to forgive you, but you also need to ask Him to give you a hatred for that sin and then to give you the power to make no provision for that sin. And you need to follow through with it. And so you need to make that commitment to God. It just really means laying it down at His altar, but not getting up from the altar without a plan. Okay, Whether that means talking to us about it, whether it means talking to your spouse or whatever, but it means you're going to mean business. You're going to be like Daniel. You're going to be purpose in your heart. 
I am not going to defile myself with this anymore. And this is my plan. And, and it's going to mean prioritizing your life and cutting out things and doing whatever is necessary to not make provision for your flesh. If you will do that, God will meet you and God will begin you to give you the grace you need to stand under that temptation, whatever it is. Okay? And then lastly, you just keep looking at yourself. You keep thinking somehow you're going to muster up the strength in yourself to do it. Just stop. Just get your eyes off yourself and just start believing Jesus. And fix your eyes on Him. And just simply start believing what He's already said to you. And meditating on who He is and what He can do. And just start walking by faith. So, whoever is of one of those three things, you need to come forward. You need to humble yourself before the Lord. God resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. Um, It's between you and God while you're coming here. That's up to you. Um, But I'm believing God today. He gave me this message, and I'm believing. I'm believing it for myself, that there's things in our lives that He is going to break the power of it today. Because we are choosing to respond and to come under what he is saying to us today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. I want to join you guys. Maybe I will. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you for the gospel. We thank you, Lord, for the message of the cross. We thank you, Lord, that it is the power of God to us who are being saved, whether it's right at this moment, someone is repenting and turning their life over to you, Lord. I pray that that same power that has worked in our lives will now work in their lives, Lord. I pray they will know the power of the blood right at this moment that is able to cleanse them, Lord. I pray they will sense that weight of sin coming off of them. Because you took that sin. You bore it to Calvary, Lord. And I pray you will cleanse thoroughly, just like you promised, Lord, from all unrighteousness, Lord. And I pray you will come and dwell inside of them. I pray you'll fill them with the Holy Spirit as they offer up their lives now as a living sacrifice. Lord, I give up the rights to my life. Lord, I understand what you've done for me, Lord. And the only thing I know to do is give you my life and say, Lord, come. Yes, God, come. Rule and reign in my heart, Lord. Let your Spirit work in me what only you can do, Lord. Deliver me, Lord. Give me the power, Lord, to live uh, above the dominion of sin, Lord. And when I fall short, Lord, help me to run to you, Lord. 
Help me to believe you to change me day by day from glory to glory, more and more into your image, Lord. And Lord, I thank you, God, right now for what you're doing in different hearts. Lord, I thank you for these years, Lord. I thank you for anyone, Lord, that is laying an idol or laying a specific sin on this altar. Lord, I thank you. You've already bound the strong man. You've already conquered him, Lord. And Lord, I pray you'd break the power of that, whatever it is, over these lives, Lord. I pray, oh God, as we choose to lay it down, as we choose by the power of your Spirit to kill it, to put it in the grave, Lord, that Your life, Your resurrection life, will give us the power to walk in the newness of life, to walk and stand under that temptation when it comes into our lives, Lord. And I pray You'll give us wisdom on what to do, Lord, on the choices we need to make. God, I pray You'll help us lay out a battle plan that is birthed by the Holy Spirit. Help us to be honest with ourselves, Lord. Help us to do an honest evaluation, Lord. And give us the grace, Lord, to make the changes that are necessary, Lord. And I pray as we do these things, Lord, the wind of the Holy Spirit would come into our hearts. The power of the Holy Spirit would come into our hearts, Lord. We'd get that second breath. We'd get off the bench and we'd enter the race, Lord, and run it. Lord, with all of our might, with all of our strength, Lord, and that Your life would be manifested as we are dying with You. That resurrection life would be manifested in us, Lord, and You'd use us in a greater way, Lord, as we're sharing the Gospel and we're offering freedom to others, Lord. It'll be real because we own it ourselves. It won't just be words, Lord. There'll be power in our words, Lord. So I pray that for all of us, Lord. And I thank You, God. I thank You for Your Word. I thank You, Jesus, for what You have already done, Lord. And we just take it by faith this morning, God. As we get up from this altar, Lord, we trust that You're going to do in us what we have proven we cannot do in and of ourselves, Lord. So we thank You, Lord. And I just pray a blessing over these dear saints, Lord. And I pray that the truth will set them free. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord.